could uh, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. We're going to read out of Philippians chapter 1. Amen. Philippians 1 and verse 9. We're going to read a, quite a few verses. Um, praise the Lord. I tend to do that a lot. I, I don't know. I like to read a lot. So, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Verse 9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Christ, amen, is preached. Now it says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ, or for the cause of Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, or you know, he's saying rivalry or from selfish ambition, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Praise God. You may take your seats if you are standing. Amen. And um, I'm going to preach under um, the title, Live for His Cause. Amen. Live for His Cause. And um, this passage here that we were reading, I'm going to try to give you a little bit of context this passage we were reading uh, shows us uh, where Paul is writing to the church in, in Philippi from a Roman prison. He is in prison, he, and he is, uh, he's writing to the church. And so things are not perfect in his life at this moment. He was not necessarily in the best of times from a physical standpoint um, or material standpoint, um, or he, or he was also not with extreme liberty under like optimal conditions. But in the midst of his situation, in the midst of his imprisonment, he was able to rejoice. Amen. And he was able to rejoice because Christ was being proclaimed. The simple fact that the gospel was being advanced, was being expanded, gave Paul joy. 
Amen. And we can see where his focus was. He, he was not in, uh, you know, focused on the needs of life. He wasn't focused on the wants of life. Amen. Or, uh, you know, paying attention to what he lacked or possibly what he did have. Amen. Um, uh, or, or what he did not you know, rule over, uh, you know, and, and his joy came from a mindset that was focused on Christ. Amen. And we can see that here, the source of his joy was in the spreading of the gospel. The fact that this, the gospel was being advanced is what brought him joy. So regardless of his circumstances, he doesn't just say he rejoiced, you know, past tense. He speaks a word of faith, amen. He speaks in something that he believes in, and he says, and I will rejoice. You know, uh, that means in the future, that means coming forth. <coughs> Excuse me. So it didn't matter he wasn't necessarily paying attention to the conditions around him. He was saying, I will rejoice. And if you look at the end of that verse, in verse 18, it says, in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Amen. And so we can see his, the, the, the status of his mindset that was willing, amen, to uh, uh, set aside what his physical eyes were seeing or what he was physically experiencing, the place that he was in, and he was still able to find a reason to rejoice, a reason to have joy, a reason to be thankful to God. Amen. And it's interesting that the, the attitude that Paul was exercising during this time, his attitude implies a sense of thankfulness and gratitude towards God. And a mindset that chose to believe in a cause, you know, a, a heart that was aligned with the cause of the cross. Amen. He didn't have to say, I love Jesus or I love Christ or, you know, um, he didn't have to wear a shirt or a bumper sticker to state, amen, his opinion. No, the fact that in his mind, in his attitude, we see a willingness to live for the cause tells us that there was love for Christ, amen. He didn't have to wear a badge that says, I love Jesus or I love the Lord. No, his attitude, what he was focused on, the things that he was willing to, to do and, and be a part of and be joyful for spoke volumes of how he felt towards his God, towards his creator. Amen. I mean, he is writing from a prison. You know, he is writing from a prison to a church and bringing encouragement via this letter. He is bringing an epistle of joy, you know. And again, not only are conditions not optimal, not only has the adversity of life 
caught up to him, but his life is on a balance here. And all he can think about is the spreading of the gospel. He is possibly about to die. And he is just thinking of the spreading of the gospel. He's thinking about the next soul. All he can think about, amen, is, is, is thinking about the wicked, about the drunk, about the addict, about the abused, the gossiper, all that need Jesus in their life. And that's what, that is what he is thinking about and conscious about at that moment. So this is the source of his joy. This is the fountain of his happiness. Can you and I say that? Can you and I be thankful to our God in the midst of our adversity? Can our attitude be such that we acknowledge the greatness of our God in the midst of our situation? You know, we're coming up upon a very, very iconic holiday. And although we like to, you know, dig into the food and make it about what we can consume, you know, but is our mind appropriately aligned with the mind of Christ? You know, yes, sometimes our lives go through life-changing moments and we are not the same. We're not the same people. We scar, we hurt, we feel alone. But God is still God. You know, we are not exempt from the disappointments of life. We are not foreign to the challenges of life. But he does say this, He does say in Psalms 91 that he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth will be your shield. You know, regardless of an uncertain future, can we say, I will rejoice? Can we utter those words that were said by Paul from a prison and says, I will rejoice in spite of the adversity, in spite of the situation, I will rejoice. Are we able to say those words? And in this moment, Paul was torn between two decisions. And, and I, I encourage you to go, you know, when you go home, Read this chapter. Read this, this whole epistle. Read the whole uh, letter there. But in chapter 1, as you start reading, you can see that he was torn between two decisions. And I'm sure that he was weary. I'm sure that he was tired from this life in general. He didn't know which one would come about, or even if given a choice, which one of these he would choose. But it was between life and death. And if you can see in verse 23, you know, the same chapter 1 in verse 23, he says, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart 
and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He was a human. He was a guy. He was a regular man. And he felt the yoke of a prison. He felt the sting of life. Yet he musters up the courage to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is a gain. In other words, Christ is the source of my joy. He is my reason to live. And to die is a gain, for I will be with him for eternity. So he is, you know, he's balancing the two. He's, he's you know, being honest with himself and seeing which do I want, which should I choose. And yet he makes a decision that is not based on his own welfare or his comfort or any selfish motive. He is completely selfless. And he says in verse 24, yet to remain in my body is more necessary and essential for your sake. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that your rejoicing for me may overflow in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. A completely selfless action. You know, in spite of the situation, he had a decision, a passion to serve others. Why? Because his joy came from the Lord. His joy did not come from the things that he had or the things that he would be able to obtain or the, you know, any, from any material thing. His joy came from the Lord. When you speak about this gospel to others, not only do you spread good news, but you also affirm your own individual steps. It's what helps you build upon the rock. It, it's what helps you, you know, solidify that ground and ground your foundation. Amazing things happen when you talk about this book. When you spread this gospel, not only do you help others, but you are helping yourself in the process. It's amazing the things that happen, you know. So when this happens or when that happens, you do not crumble. The carpet isn't pulled from under you. You know, and you start sinking into some sand pit or something. No, but you can stand firm because this will ground you. This book will ground you. You can still acknowledge the greatness of your God. You can truly see how he is still faithful. When you talk about this book, you are reaping for yourself a, a better position, a better place. And, and I've shared this in the past. I've said it many times before. 
this pandemic was like one of the best things that motivated my life. You know, it was, it was something kind of just amazing, something very interesting because, you know, we were forced to meet in a virtual Bible study and I was forced to study the word more, you know, more than what I was used to. I was committed to read more and more and to prepare messages and Bible studies, you know, every single week, sometimes more than once a week. And this brought spiritual, amen, stability to my life. It, it brought a direction to my, to my walk with God and it opened avenues to in ministry. And it was a great thing. You know, so spreading this gospel helps you build upon the rock. I, I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how to, you know, present it. But when you spread the gospel, when you talk about Christ, when you talk about his, this book here, it builds you up in the process. You know, and that's what pastor has been trying to promote this whole time. You know, teaching and being a part of a friendship group not only, you know, allows you to reach others, but, you know, it builds you up. You know, Ephesians 2.20 says, Having built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. When Jesus is in the center of your life, you will be grounded appropriately. You will not be shaken. You will not be building upon a sand pit. You will not be building uh, upon something that is going to crumble. You are building upon the rock. And so my encouragement is that you be able to share this good news, to share this gospel, to share, amen, what this book can do to, to, the, to the heart of man, to the mind of man, when there are vices, when there's addictions, when there's sin, when there's wickedness, this book can make a difference in the life of man. And we need to be willing to share this. We need to be willing, amen, to be thankful to God, to be grateful to God, amen, for the opportunity that we have to know this, to be a part of this, to experience him in a much more deeper level than people did in the past. You know, aren't you glad that in this country you can get to meet? You are, you are here today. You might have just walked in. You might have, just, you might have driven here. You might have skateboarded in. You might have, you know, whatever the action was, but the thing is that you were able to do it. You get to gather whenever. You get to gather however. You get to gather wherever you want and worship this God of ours. Are you thankful for that? Are you grateful for that? Can you rejoice in that? You know, is that not a reason to be thankful to him? Just last week, we had a visitor, amen, 
Sister Laura from Barcelona. And she was saying that you can gather there, you can meet, but you have neighbors right next to you. You know, it is so cramped. And they complain, and they complain from the loudness, from the worship, from the things that you do inside the church. I didn't hear anybody coming over and complaining because we were worshiping God today. That didn't happen here. What a blessing that is, amen. When our worship team plays a song to the Lord, do you worship? Do you savor that moment? Do you take do you th the advantage of the privilege to be able to offer up something to God and, exp and experience, amen, this moment of, of a song that can connect you with God? Do you take that moment and do something with it? Yet sometimes we take it for granted. You know, this is our clapping right here. We go half ways, about right here. No, we are in a place, we are in a country where we can do this all day, all night, however we want. In other places, other countries, you're not allowed to gather. You have to stage birthday parties or some type of a of a, of a festivity so that when people start walking in it, it it's not a red flag you know you can't sing out loud you have to worship in a clapless motion you cannot clap you have to do something like this only you can't jump you can't run they can't cry out to the lord We are so blessed today. You are so blessed today. If you could just understand that. So are you able to say, I will rejoice in the midst of an uncertain situation, in the midst of a situation that, that to our physical eye, to our natural eye seems helpless, out of recourse, Are we still able to say, I will rejoice in the Lord? You know, even if you live 25, 50 miles away, you still got in a car and you drove to church. You would probably enjoyed your drive to church. You put on some music, maybe one of your favorite songs. You were perhaps singing on your way to church. We don't take a bus. Maybe, you know, some people do, but it's a nice bus. You don't walk to church, maybe, if you're around the corner. But you don't walk miles. You don't walk hours. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. And I'll say it again, you are so blessed. And Paul is trying to convey a message That there was so much more than the needs of this life. There was so much more than the trials of this life. 
Paul is, is admonishing, he is encouraging the Philippians to live in a way that is consistent with their profession of faith. In other words, live what you preach. Live out what your shirt says, you know. Live out what your bumper sticker says. Live out what you post online, you know. Live out what you claim to be. And he's saying, do that. Whatever you're professing, be that. He tells them to lead lives that will be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whether he comes to see them or he is absent, that you are standing firm in one spirit, one purpose, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's, that's what he is saying to them if you keep reading, uh, you know, the verses. I think it's like verse 29 where he's telling them this. And that is nothing short of what you and I should be doing. I know disappointment will come. Trials will come. Affliction comes. But our joy is in Christ. He must be the source of our comfort, the source of our wellness, the source of what makes us get better. We should be able to find thankfulness and comfort in Him. Is our attitude such that expresses that thankfulness, that gratitude? You know, in a manner of, of life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Is that what our attitude portrays? Is that what our lives radiate? You know, we need to remember that we trust in God. We trust in God. And that verse 29 says, you have been granted. In other words, you have been given the privilege for Christ's sake not only to believe and confidently trust in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So yes, sometimes we suffer. Sometimes because of life itself. Sometimes because of people. Sometimes because of family members. Sometimes because it's self-inflicted. But we trust in God he is our trust he is our, our 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 deliverer he is the one that takes us through you know I said previously we are not exempt we're not exempt from a disappointment we are not exempt from the suffering but we can live for him living for the cause demonstrates our love for him living for Christ involves salvation and suffering so when you live for the cause when your joy comes because the gospel is expanding the gospel is being spread because lives are being transformed because the wicked are being saved when you live for the cross you get a source, a fount of joy into your life. And you will be able to say, I will 
rejoice. So, do you need to take a moment and reflect on your commitment to the cause? Are, are, are you not building on solid ground? Are you not building yourself on the chief cornerstone? What are we building ourselves on? What is taking up our time that we are, you know, creating a, 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 or building upon what? You know, if, if, if you stop to think, what are you building upon? What would that answer be? Are you building on Christ? Or are you building on your own efforts, on your own material things, on the things that you have? Where are you building upon? You know, come and commit yourself today. You know, take up that cross Live out the cause. Because that is the only sure way that you will always have joy in your life. Because disappointment will come. Trials will come. And then what are we going to do? But when you, can, when you can go back to that statement, when you can go back to that foundation and say, I trust my God. I trust this word. I trust this word and he is going to get me out. That is the source of your joy. If you could stand today, if you could stand and, and join me in just taking a moment, take a moment to analyze your life. Where is your joy? Can you say, I will rejoice? I, I'm human too. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I have a job. I go to work. And life is life. It throws you curveballs. It throws you wrenches. It, 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 you know, hits you with all kinds of things. You know, but where do we stand? Are you able to say, I will rejoice? So I invite you. If you need to come forward and you need to lay down something on this altar, now is the time. If you need to take, if you need to take a moment of reflection and see where you stand, now is the time. If you've never experienced and given your life to God, now.